This is Going Boldly, the podcast. Here's your host, Russ the Big Guy. Hi, it is Russ the Big Guy. I'm a lifelong entrepreneur who is very familiar with the struggles and successes related to running a business. I know it is definitely worth the struggle. The freedom and unlimited potential keep me moving forward, fueled by my why. Aligned with that is my desire to share with you, the entrepreneur and aspiring business owner, entertainment, information, inspiration, and even transformation into an even more amazing entrepreneur and human. To those ends, please enjoy this episode of Going Boldly. Welcome listeners. It is Russ the Big Guy. We are back in the Penthouse Recording Studio and we have an interesting guest on the line today. He is kind of a a regional um, legend in a way, if you will, or at least his business is. He's a third generation owner of, of a family business and I'm excited to introduce Ryan Brooks of Brooks Barbecue and Brooks Bottling Company. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah. An honor. So we were talking just before I hit the record button, and you're actually a third-generation business owner. And um, tell, tell me a little bit about uh, how you see Brooks Barbecue. Like, what was it, what is it now, and what are your hopes for the future? Sure. So, you know, this is, uh, and for me, you know, it's a, even though my name's, posted on the side of the building for me it's it's a pleasure for me to wake up and I, I get excited coming to work each and every day um, and when I go home you know I, I, I feel you know we as a team have accomplished things that you know, maybe a lot of groups that you, you know want to or, or try and do the things that we're doing you know for instance catering for a 5500 dinner event uh, that will serve in an hour and a half or you know managing our way and pivoting our way through covid um, and, and keeping all of our employees on and, and keeping food to, to getting food to everybody. So, you know, we're, we're third generation. I'm third generation uh, business owner here at Brooks Barbecue. You know, how, how we've we really started, uh, if you want to go back to 1912, yeah. you know, that's where the chicken farm started. Technically, it would be fourth generation. So oh. um, my, my great-grandfather, 1912, started a chicken farm. Uh, very, you know, it, it did very well, but, you know, chicken farming, uh, well, my, my grandparents, uh, the founders of Brooks Barbecue, uh, purchased the farm from my, my great-grandfather and, and did well with it. But, you know, between disease uh, and, and the weather here in, in upstate New York, uh, chicken farming got pretty tough. So they um, worked with Professor Bob Baker um, and, uh, at, from Cornell University, you know, worked on this way of, of barbecuing chicken. And, and we took those uh, guidances from him and then you know my grandparents basically uh put their own spin on it and uh what what they did and what they created uh they were doing uh small events on on the roadside farm and that that turned into a, a little shack at the del Sego drive-in movie theater to uh, a, a small restaurant that we had leased back then and then purchased the property that we're on in 1965 uh, built in uh, and opened up in 1966, March of 1966, the current restaurant now. We've evolved, so we're a, a full, uh, we were a full-service restaurant until COVID hit. You know, it's a 300-seat dining room where uh, once we open our dining room doors back open again, uh, you'll be able to bring in uh, the food uh, you order at the takeout window. So, you know, one one of the little things that we've pivoted uh, to, to get through. So full-scale restaurant, uh, large carryout business, uh, huge catering business. You know, we saw, of course, we saw a lot of our sauces, uh, which, uh, was the part of, of the business that I founded, which is Brooks Bottling Company. We are, are uh, private labelers and co-packers for uh, clients all throughout the country, Kuwait, Dubai, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, and also Canada. So you've taken a chicken farm and turned it into a global business, essentially, is what I hear you saying. We, we have, yeah. I mean, it's something that is 
time evolves, we need to evolve with it. Um, and, you know, we need to stay ahead of it. And each generation has had to do you know, their thing to make sure that we're evolving properly. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you sometimes put, put in the same thing, uh, you get the same results, right? So, um, you know, I've seen a lot of things just in our industry, the restaurant industry, that have changed. And, you know, back when my parents and grandparents had the business, there weren't a lot of, um, you know, franchises and, and national chains in our area. Now, you know, that's all that we, we have. So we, we have some big com- uh, competition around and, and you know, the, the customer base has changed and, and we want to make sure that we're accommodating our customers' needs that, that have changed over time. Um, so, yeah, we, we've evolved and we continue to evolve. And, and COVID, um, I will tell you, it was a tragedy, uh, still is. Uh, it's really messed up our supply chain. It's, 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 it's really it's hurt a lot of things in our world, but we have to take opportunities like that and make it positive uh, for those around us. So, you know, we took a lot of those opportunities and, and, and made changes for the better, and, and it's, it's worked out real well. So you, you had mentioned a couple things. You had mentioned each generation putting their their addition into it, maybe their unique fingerprint, adjusting to the market at the time, and then also the COVID. So let's go pre-COVID, and you're involved with a company. What What are some of the things that you found that were important to either implement or to change or maybe to eliminate in, you know, what, what you saw as the existing business. And as you mentioned, you grew up in the business. So you, you know, you're the guy who was most familiar with everything that was going on, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up uh, in the restaurant. My father grew up on the chicken farm. Um, so I've lived this and, you know, it's something that, you know, when you're around it all, all the time, you become part of that system. And, you know, we were, before COVID, we were busy as all could be. You know, we would stretch ourselves out, um, you know, different services that we provide on the road or, you know, we, we built a, a banquet room um, to accommodate bigger parties. When the doors closed, your mindset, my mindset uh, changed, uh, I would say overnight to look at, uh, I almost got into survival mode, you know, right from the start of COVID. And I've, I started doing a lot of digging, um, you know, and, and there's a lot of things that can weigh weigh a company down, whether it's a restaurant or, or any type of, of business. And I started doing a lot of research um, on myself, uh, on my businesses, and and found that, you know, we, we had some overhead that wasn't necessary, and we'd make some changes. And we found that restaurant service is going to become, you know, people want food, and they want a service. It's, it's, it's still, to me, it's about hospitality, but a lot of restaurant owners are, are, are it's, it's a service now. And, and so we're Mixing the two to make sure that we're we're getting uh, excellent service, good quality, f- great quality food, you know, and, and consistencies to our customers. And um, so we made a lot of changes internally. Um, we also discovered our banquet room. I discovered our banquet room wasn't making the necessary funds to sustain itself. So uh, at the end of the year, we're, we're closing that and turning it into something else that will be much better for for both organizations. Uh, catering, uh, when, when uh, the doors closed on March uh, 17th, I lost all of my catering jobs. Uh, this is speaking in 2020. Yeah. I lost all my catering jobs for all, all the rest of March, April, May, June, and uh, much of July. Uh, even into the fall, we lost a lot of our jobs. So we decided, uh, I, I created a couple different ways in which we could still be on the road and cater socially distanced, and uh, whether it's drive-throughs or different lanes to, to get people to the lines to pick up their food without, and still have that six feet uh, social distancing. And uh, so we, we, we had to create a lot of new things overnight to keep uh, my entire crew going. Um, 
and I made a promise. You know, I had at the time I had 84 employees in my in the restaurant, and then there were 60 out in the bottling company, and uh, I was able to keep all those jobs going. Of course, there's some that that didn't weren't comfortable and wanted to stay home, which we understand. But anyone that wanted to stay here was able to stay here, and we we lost only four people during that time in the restaurant. So. Uh, a lot of a lot of transitioning and a lot of uh, a lot of pivoting. So I think that's really um, kind of goes to the idea of a family business and an independent business where you can pivot quickly when you need to. You don't have to run it up multiple levels in a bureaucracy or get a board of directors, you know, to have a meeting next month to consider putting it on the agenda for the following month. So there's a lot of benefits to that, obviously. And I find it interesting that a relatively small business by comparative standards, you were able to keep 140 people, 140 employees, four left on their own is what I hear you saying. So you, you employed... 140 people. Now, were you able to, or did you find it necessary to tap into some of the financial support that was available due to COVID? So, yeah, we, we needed to, uh, we, we did go for the PPP loan. Um, and, and, you know, we put that, a lot of that went to labor. Of course, we had to follow um, all the all the rules and uh, super important that, that, that you do that. Um, we're, we're, we are rule followers. Um, and, and I make sure of that in, in any, any sense. But, you know, a lot of folks that I talked to had a hard time keeping it for labor and keeping it for utilities, stuff like that. And, and you know, some people got in a little bit of trouble. For me, we were able to keep the crew going, the crews going, uh, because, well, well, we'll just put it put it in perspective. By July of 2020, uh, we were in the red about $170,000. Yeah. Part of that being in the red was I, I took I took the time and, and the opportunity to reinvest into my my kitchen my my carryout area and even my dining area and I, I did a lot of uh, rework and basically re-engineered or re redid our entire kitchen um, and our entire takeout area because we with the doors being closed you know you had a dining room full for 300 people. Now we're doing all of that work through three. We technically, at the time, we had two takeout windows when we closed the doors. We now have six takeout windows. My kitchen's completely revamped to accommodate, um, you know, more and faster service because it's all carryout. No one's sitting down. No one's taking their time. So we we uh, we had a lot on uh, a lot ahead of us. And, and now that we're completely reorganized, it's actually working out really well. Where. Um, I can I can sustain and keep our crews going. Yeah, that's awesome. Did you find that you had to do make work uh, projects to keep everybody busy, or or are all these you know the upgrades to the kitchen and and other types of things? Um, did they keep your crew busy doing that, or what did that look like for you? I didn't know what to expect, and you know I always joke around um, in a sarcastic way and say you know this is my first pandemic, so I'm I'm new at this, but yeah. <laughs> um, the first. First thing I did was I, I, I approached my entire crew um, and said that, you know, I will have hours and you're, you're, you're going to be working. I just need to, we're going to figure that out, but I will figure it out. And I took uh, some of my restaurant employees, I put them over to the bowling company uh, so they could have, and they had families they had to support so they could have you know, a job, a full-time job. And uh, so we did that. Within about three weeks, maybe four weeks, we never slowed down. We, we got so busy that I had to pull them back from the bowling company. Um, which, and in, in just as a heads up to our bottling company grew from 19 to 20, it went up 110%. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, so we're, we're, we're busy on both ends and, and restaurant, um, until I could get everything gutted out in the kitchen and, and revamped for, for our new type of service. You know, I always, I always called it, we were working in a submarine. Um, so 
you know, I had some of my employees were getting 50, 60 hours a week um, on the road or on, on takeout. I bought three uh, delivery cars, which I've since sold. We were delivering within 10-mile radius to those that didn't feel comfortable going out. Um, and, and we just – I did a, a lot of pivoting and, and forward thinking, and it worked out It worked out well. I mean, we, we, we hit bumps, um, but everyone did. Uh, anyone that didn't, you know, just stayed home, something I didn't want to do. And I, I made a promise to my crew – that we'd get through and get through together, and that's that's exactly what we did. Well, that's pretty amazing because there were some big box companies and some huge companies that dumped a lot of employees, and they easily could have kept them, kept them employed. They easily could have just paid them to stay home even, some of these companies. And uh, I find it pretty disappointing, and I'm very curious if, as more information becomes uh, available to the general public, if some of those companies will suffer as a result of it. Because consumers nowadays, especially the younger consumers, are definitely interested in spending their money with companies who take care of people, take care of their, st- their, their employees or their team members, however they, however they label them or define them and then also our stewards of the planet. And it was somewhat disappointing to me to see that some of these big companies uh, were more interested in uh, you know, the bottom line. And of course, a lot of them have investors and stockholders and such who they're responsible to, but the amount of profits that some of them made during the pandemic was pretty disgusting. So I personally applaud you. I think that our listeners are going to appreciate you. And I know that they're going to do a little searching for Brooks Barbecue and such. And Knowing that they can get your uh, barbecue products, you know, your, from your bottling company anywhere on the planet, pretty much. That's pretty amazing because in the region, you're very famous. You know, Brooks Barbecue is is known, and people are very very excited to use use the products and and obviously use your restaurant too, um, which is you know a smaller geographic area, obviously for those clients. But when you're talking about a global business, a bottling business. I mean, you're competing with a lot of companies, so you got to have kind of something special, right, to be able to make it, to build it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and just to uh, clarify, the, you know, the, our Brooks branded sauces are one of the smallest portions of what we do in our bottling company. Oh, okay. Um, you know, we're producing, we're producing for, for the clients that um, are in the 3,000 Walmarts. They're in all the Whole Foods, you know, all the grocery outlets. And, and you know, that, that's what we do and, and recognize with, uh, globally with our audit. So, yeah, even our, our brand. So if you go to Saudi Arabia and pick up a, a bottle of organic dressing, salad dressing, yeah, uh, it's not our label, but we made it. And yeah. so what are what are some of the other products then? So you, you got salad dressing and obviously a, a barbecue sauce. I'm assuming you probably have a variety of barbecue flavors. I know we're getting in the weeds with this a little bit, but now I'm really curious. Sure. So you're talking about what we produce for ourselves or for other clients? Well, like uh, anything, like what kind of products can you produce and bottle in uh, at, at Brooks Bottling Company? Sure. So we're doing, um, we'll, we'll start off with a more fun one, uh, Bloody Mary mixes. We do a lot of those. Um, pasta sauces, and, and this is all conventional and organic. Uh, pasta sauces, salsa, barbecue sauces, marinades. Uh, dressings, trying to think. Oh my gosh! Um, well, we even even uh, apple cider vinegar drinks that we private label for other companies. See, this is all news to me. I didn't know it. I didn't know this at all. <laughs> so I find this pretty exciting because you, I mean, I mean, I've known about the original Brooks barbecue sauce for oh boy, I don't know, thirty five years maybe, probably close to that. And are there any are there any brands that you can say out loud publicly that you bottle for? Or, or is that not part of the, part of the, you know, is that not allowed? Um, a oh. lot of it is, is not, it's all proprietary. So okay. I got to think, um, I don't want you to get I'll, in trouble. I'll tell you, 
Yeah, I'll tell you one brand um, who we're, we're super proud and, and honored to produce for, and it's Elda's Kitchen. Um, you know, we, he's out of uh, California, and this guy is, is not only just a great friend to us, but he's, he's part of our family. And, mm. you know, he this guy's in uh, Whole Foods, Grocery Outlets, Raley's, Harris Teeter's. Wow. Um, he's just, he's an incredible person, uh, great daughter, Bree, who's the other owner. And, and that's, that's one that, you know, will will okay. always shine for us. And yeah. Well, so he, if, if you ever see Elda's kitchen, Elda's E-L-D-S or E-L-D-A? E-L-D-A. Yep. Okay. And the other brand that he has is Abby's kitchen as well. Okay. One of the family members, but I always take claim because my daughter's, uh, her name is Abby. So okay. I always, <laughs> I always get to take false credit. <laughs> I like that. Okay. Wow. So this is pretty awesome. So again, I just think it's so amazing that a small company, um, and it's so important because when you have a small family business, and <laughs> obviously yours is not a small business anymore, shame on some of the bigger companies. I mean, look at uh, look at what you've been able to do. And you mentioned the amount of money that you invested, but in the, in the scheme of things, that's that wasn't really a lot of money. You know, is the timing wasn't good. Yeah, I mean, we were in the red, one hundred and seventy thousand. Okay. But you know, a lot of that came yeah. from uh, just reinvesting into the company and, and even our employees to make sure that we we had everything uh, safe and efficient. And with with everyone staying home, you know, we jumped up our our, our pay rates too. And not just because of a, the PPV loan, but you know, we 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 stepped up because our crew stepped up. And um, I mean, it's just the, one of the finest, if not finest, groups of, of individuals that we have here that are part of a, a, an awesome team. Oh, that's great, and uh, I, and and they're going to appreciate the shout out on the uh, podcast too. I'm sure. Uh, let me ask you a, a more personal question. Now, you're a fourth generation. If we if we start if we consider the chicken farm at the beginning, and you grew yep. up, you grew up in the restaurant business. I, I grew up in the restaurant. Right. Um, Dad grew up on the the chicken farm, gotcha. and my grandparents are the ones that transition from the chicken farming to barbecuing the chicken. Understood. When you were a kid or a young man, what were your dreams? Did you did you have a dream to run a food business, a bottling company? Bottling company, no. So, I mean, for me, you know, I was always, maybe it was just programmed, you know, as I grew up, I always wanted to be in the, in the restaurant industry. And, and someone said I wanted to be a fireman, which... I do that every day anyway. So, yeah. it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, yeah, I know. So, Trust me. But, I know. You know, yeah. I, and I, I never really want to do anything other, other than what I'm doing now. This was my plan. This was my dream. At one time I did a lot of internships down South while I was in college. I went to RIT in Rochester Oh yeah. and, um, yeah, did a lot of internships, uh, with other companies. And, uh, one of the companies gave me a, 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 it was a restaurant chain, but they gave me a pretty substantial offer to stay and work with them. And, and they slid the offer across the table and they said, you want to work for mommy and daddy or you want to work for the big boys? And that was my first sense of uh, where I wanted to be. And I, I looked at the, the offer and I couldn't believe how much it was. And I said, I slid it back across and I said, I'm working for mommy and daddy. So <laughs> it was uh it was good. Well, that was uh, that was actually um, quite an insult, and on one hand, and on the other hand, very informative as to what you're worth. Yeah, and and I was at that point, I was um, going into my junior year at RIT, so um, I still had another year of college left. It's it's really a really a pleasure to get to know you a little more and hear about some of this stuff. And I'm always interested to find out about people who are in family businesses. So no one in my Family owned their own business. Well, my—I uh, shouldn't say that. My grand—my grandfather on my mother's side had a roofing business, and 
uh, you know, roofing and gutters and that sort of thing. It was just a small two-man operation ever that I knew of. So that was really my own exposure to that. I didn't really know much about it or hear much about it at all. I just knew that he did it. Other than that, I didn't really have anybody, and I had to sort of figure things out on my own. I'm always interested to hear from people who are in the you know family businesses if it was something that they wanted to do or not. Um, I know I've talked to some people who grew up and they were just like, I never want to clean another grease trap ever. So they would, yeah. they would do like anything, right? So obviously it wasn't in their dream or it wasn't in their DNA at least. It takes a lot of communication uh, from generation, uh, from one to the next. And it takes, it, it takes a lot to, to be in a generational business. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it, everyone might see uh, the lines out the doors and, or whatever it may be, but you know, what goes into an actual day in, in, in a generational business is, is it's, it's quite different than the norm, we'll say. So you're, you're saying quite different than other types of businesses? Is that what you're saying? Um, no, generational businesses are tough. Um, so, you know, it's you, from one generation to the next, you know, you're not doing it the same as your parents did or your grandparents did. And, um, and there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of those, those things, those challenges that you have to work with. And, takes a lot of communication between the generations to make sure you you have a good transition and that uh, everyone knows what everyone's thinking as far as where do we want to take this business and yeah. um, you know you know so it's it, it's tougher but it's for me it's very rewarding to to do what we're doing and and you know when I leave at night I, I feel awfully good about it yeah I, I, get, I get that sense from you that this is something that you're you're very content with and happy about can you think of one particular example where there was a an idea or an existing procedure that needed to be changed that you had a discussion about between maybe you and your, you know, your parents or your grandparents, or, or maybe, it, maybe it wasn't, um, maybe there was no tension or, you know, conflicts with a small C conflict there. Maybe it was an agreement. And so it just stands out in your mind. Oh, I can give you the biggest one. Um, you know, we, when I first decided to start bottling, uh, I was going to build, I was taking one building down to put, uh, a bottling facility up, and this is back in we 2006. I started planning this 2005, uh, actually 2005, I think it was. And I, I went to my grandparents. I wanted their blessing because even though I I owned it and it was coming from my own funds, I, I wanted their blessing. And my grandparents were were thrilled about it. And um, mm. and then I, I went to go to my my parents and my mom. You know, she was didn't understand it. You know, and, and now she does, of course, the bottling part. But uh, my dad was probably my biggest critic and and now he's he's really the biggest promoter um and you know seeing what we're doing now and um that and and probably the next one would be uh which before my grandmother had passed away she gave me the green light to go ahead and launch beer and wine because we never had it for for all these years and i went to my parents to get their their blessing and uh it was it was hands up i mean let's do it you know so you have to make changes and and but you know for me I didn't want to, I had the respect and I still do and always will, uh, to ask them of any major, major changes of, of our, our course that, uh, I get their, their green light. And if they had said, we don't, we're not comfortable with something, I wouldn't have done it. Wow. That's pretty cool. Now, when you talk to your dad about the bottling, uh, and this is something that comes up a lot with entrepreneurs, sometimes the, the friends and family members who are closest to the entrepreneur are, uh, seemingly negative or holding them back or not supportive in some other way. And we talk about this a lot on the podcast and then, and then also in other trainings and things that I do. And, um, 
it's sort of like human nature in a way because the people that you're closest to, you really love them and you don't want anything bad to happen. So whether it's, you know, physical, emotional, uh, financial, what have you. And we all have this sort of built in, I, I call it part of our serpent brain or whatever, which is trying to stay safe, keep ourselves safe. Like our brain is designed for us to be avoiding risks, avoiding um, the potential uh, injury or harm and always keep us in a comfortable state. So what what was your take on that with your dad? Did you think that he was being extra protective of you or, or was he playing devil's advocate making sure you knew what you were doing? Do you have any memories of that? Oh yeah, they're, they're vivid. So, um, <laughs> one, one thing I, hopefully, hopefully I'm not dredging, dredging up uh, horrible stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, you know, I, I mean, at that time I was buying the restaurant, so, you know, he wanted to make sure one, he's getting paid and, and two, that I didn't take so much on that, um, I, I could potentially fail. So, you know, I understood, where he was coming from with that, you know, hands down. But then I, I'm one that very, very silently, I, I push, I push the bill. I, I push myself. Um, and so on my 40th birthday, uh, I, I took everyone down to Disney world and I did this NASCAR, uh, Richard Petty experience. Yeah. And, um, my dad pulls me off to the side and he says, you see that car, it's doing 80 miles an hour. Um, he goes, that's what you should be doing. Uh, I said, okay. I looked at him and smiled, and then I got in the car, and I, I topped out at 128 and passed the uh, car and because I needed to push myself. I wanted to see how far I could go. And um, so that's that's a big difference between, you know, third and, and second generation or, you know, whatever, my parents and, and myself. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of um, – I, I take a lot of very calculated and educated risk. They've all proven successful. You know, I've – taken on jobs for, like I was mentioning before, 6,300 dinners. I calculated the whole thing out, and we were very strategic about it, and we pulled it off in an hour and a half. So as long as I go into it with a plan, um, everyone now knows that, you know, we're going to come out smelling like a rose. Oh, my gosh. That's just amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, really, uh, it's like, you know, some entrepreneurs are just, they're like born to be doing this stuff, and it's pretty incredible to hear you tell that story. Uh, And then also, you mentioned, you know, the amount of uh, meals that you put out in such a short amount of time. I mean, I've been to, I've been to local banquet rooms where I can't, I can't get a piece of chicken that doesn't taste like leather. <laughs> Not all of them, but yeah, yeah. you know, they can't serve, it can't serve like 50, 50 dinners at the same time and, you know, have them be edible sometimes. So it's pretty, pretty remarkable of what you're you know capable of doing. The crew that I have is phenomenal. And I, I'll say that and they know I say it because I mean it. Yeah. But it takes, you know, them to trust my guidance and then for me to trust their, you know, their throughput and, and, and their their actions, too. And, and, you know, that's why on the, on the restaurant side, I, I don't have a lot of, uh, I, you know, you do, sometimes you worry about, oh, boy, are we going to get this done? I, I don't worry about that over here on, on, on the barbecue side. Bottling as we grow, um, you know, you, you have uh, growing pains. And mm. right now I've got to put another another production line in to, to keep up. So, you know, those are the things that as long as you're you're willing to go the extra mile and do the extra efforts or have the extra efforts to, to succeed, anything can, can be successful, honestly. But, you know, that that's just I'm, I'm driven in a weird way. I don't know what it is, but I'm also driven with, with this crew that I'm very super protective of as well. Yeah, and I, I can sense that based on what you said and the way that you're answering some of these questions that you really have that sort of family vibe about you. I mean, it is a family business. It's multi-generational. If you're going back to people who really, you know, I suppose um, legally at least, you don't have to care what they say. 
uh, about what you're doing, it's a moral thing for you, and it's uh, it's something that you really find valuable is to um, to be able to honor those people that you know did all the work ahead of you, right, and gave you the opportunity. I, I really like that. And you know, if you've got a crew that's stepping up, I don't want to trash other businesses and other people. I know everybody everybody's doing doing them, and and many businesses are struggling, but. Like when I go to I go to some of these big box stores, big box restaurants and stuff, you know, they should have systems figured out. They should be able to put money in. They they have multiple units. So if some place is hurting, they they can divert money and they have access to cash. But the service has deteriorated so so much in some of these places and the people that work there obviously don't care. So if you yep. have a crew that's able to perform, um, that says more about the whole ethos there at the company, really. People are not going to rise to challenges for you, for the for your customers, if they're not in the right environment. Exactly. Yep. I mean, I, I wholeheartedly. I think this should uh, get some people excited about your uh, your businesses. I hope they uh, I hope they find products. Maybe they're buying them already and just don't know. Now, if we look, <laughs> I'm going to go through my cupboard at home, <laughs> through my pantry, and look at everything. Does it say Brooks Bottling Company anywhere on the labels? Of your private it label products. Not. Oh, darn it. Okay, I won't know. Maybe I have to make a visit to the get a tour of the bottling company. Is that a possibility? If I promise we, not to yeah, tell Yeah, we can have if, a... If I promise not we'll to tell We'll have a lemonade anybody. and okay. we'll talk about it. Yeah, All right, that sure. sounds cool. All right, great. So listen, I appreciate you coming on the show, and I think that you are a great example, and you're going to be an inspiration for our listeners for sure. And you've revealed many different traits and characteristics Uh you know, that are so important that people can take note of and emulate. So, you know, you definitely have that family team vibe happening. You obviously take care of your people. You've been able to pivot as a small business. You took advantage of some resources that were available with a PPP and were able to ethically use that to continue your business. And you weren't scared about investing into your company to redo the kitchen. And you've got uh, you got a banquet room that's going to be something new. And Yeah, that's something we're, we're going to have to unfortunately close. Um, it just it doesn't sustain itself. Yeah. Um, you know, we're we're looking to turn that into offices. It's a beautiful banquet room, but we're going to turn that into offices. Yeah. Uh, for our bottling company. Oh, okay, great. So that's super that you've got the space and that you know you don't have to take on additional um, additional costs of, of uh, renting or building offices. So that's wonderful. Let's uh, pivot here in uh, what we're doing and. If someone is interested to find out more about what you are about, I don't know if you're available via social media or email or whatever, so why don't you go ahead and give us whatever contact info you have. Sure. For email, it's ryan underscore brooks at brooksbbq.com. Always available by phone, which is uh, the main number at the restaurant, is 607-432-1782. But I'm always happy if if you or anyone wanted to come here, we'd love to give you a tour. Uh, We'd show you around. Um, our websites are, are, you know, brooksbottling.com and brooksbbq.com. Um, you know, you can you can get some information from there. We are redoing the Brooks Bottling website right now. Always happy to jump on the phone. I still think it's the best form of communication. And wow, that's great. Yeah, it's unusual for someone uh, sort of like at your level and, and busy to take a phone call. It just goes to show what kind of operation you're running there. I love it. All right, hey Ryan, thank you so much. We have one more segment here. It's called the questions. Are you uh, are you up to answer a few of those? Sure. All right, stand by. It's time to answer the questions. I double dare you. Okay, here we go. It's starting uh, uh, the segment of the questions with Ryan Brooks of Brooks Barbecue and Brooks Bottling Company. Uh, Ryan, here's question number one. Who gave you the best advice? What was it? And what was the result? That's a great question. Um, 
Best advice. Well, I, I would have to say, honestly, um, and, and I'm not joking, but uh, I think it probably came from my son, Carter, who's 10, uh, and he said that uh, we need to do more fishing. And, and that's probably probably the best advice I've, I've ever been given because uh, it's, it's something I need to do. But I love it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's probably the best. You work hard. You spend a lot of time at work, and uh, and he recognized that that you need to pay more attention to family, maybe? Um, not necessarily that. So he he's in here a lot. Um, Abby, okay. my daughter, uh, who's eight, but, you know, it's um, I, I told him I'm, I'm working hard to work less because, uh, you know, I, I, I do coach uh, three sports. Wow. Um, for, for my kids, and I'm on a, a, the Milford Youth Athletics Board, so we make sure all, all of our youth are, are, are staying on the fields and not on their tablets. Those are the things I, I really enjoy doing, but... Um, but yeah, he's he knows how hard I work, and he knows that I'm working hard to to work a lot less. It's interesting how the the busiest people still do even more. Uh, question number two: Who do you look like? Who who do people tell you you look like? Uh, well, thankfully, you know they they say I look like my mom. Um, okay. And uh, and she's very beautiful. And uh, the other thing, my grandfather, who was my mom's dad. Uh, he passed shortly after I was born, uh, World War II vet. I saw his Marine, one of his Marine pictures, uh, which I have all his, his stuff from the military, but uh, I look exactly like him, but a little taller uh, and not as skinny. Oh, my gosh, isn't that something? Is there anybody famous that people might tell you you look like? like if you're just, like, you know, on the street or somebody bump into you and be, like, in line, like, hey, you look like, uh, I don't know, you know, like George Clooney or something. Sure. So uh, someone told me, and I, I can't think of his name, um, but it's the guy that started the um, mixed martial arts or whatever the, the cage fight, not not the cage fighting, whoever the promoter is of that, the originator of um, UFC fighting. Dana White? Yes. yes. Okay, Dana White. Uh, they said it looked like him. All right. If you could have a conversation with anyone, living or dead, who would it be and what would you talk about? Um. That would be my grand, my mom's dad, um, to know all about him, uh, learn what he did. Uh, you know, I, I have all his records from the military uh, mm-hmm. when he crossed over seven, seven islands during World War, World War II. But I think it would be uh, it would be him to get to meet him. So I assume he was in the Pacific. He, he was, yeah, and um, you yeah. know, came back um, and this stupid. Uh, a skin cancer got him and it wasn't, you know, he crossed seven islands and, and yeah. went through all of that. And, and, uh, you know, he died of skin cancer, melanoma. Yeah. Isn't that something? Boy, if you live long enough, yeah. you know, one of those things is going to get you. Um, yeah, my grand, my, uh, dad's dad was, uh, in the signal Corps over in France and, uh, you know, he had four young boys at home and his wife, young wife, and boy, he didn't want to be there at all. He smoked cigarettes forever. And yeah. that, that's what got him you know, at the end. So it's pretty, pretty crazy uh, how you can go through such harrowing, dangerous things and then something will get you the least expected. So, all right. Well, hats off to our grandfathers for sure. All right. Last, last question, Ryan, this is a, this is a a coaching question. Uh, As many people know, I do entrepreneur success coaching uh, through my business. And uh, are you up for a coaching question? I'm up for any question. Okay. Wonderful. What is the one obstacle the one major obstacle that you see uh, that's preventing you from reaching your goal. And this is a deliberately kind of an open-ended thing. So, you know, you get to choose the goal and obstacle. Something might come to mind. And then, yeah, I mean, I can, I can answer that one very quickly. You know, really, the, the obstacle right now, and, I, and I'm not trying to 
spur anything or, or anything, but you know, the government uh, interference into our into our businesses, and, and one right now, one of the major ones is uh, the the lack of of labor. That's that's one thing that that slows us down, and you know, we're hiring and interviewing every day. Um, and it's getting the, the right people into the right positions. So for all those that have elected to stay home and have been able to with, with the handouts from the government, that, that's that's one thing that really slows down not just, just me to reach my goal, but a- any business uh, with, with just even a few employees. It's uh, it's very tough. So it's it's getting uh, getting the right people in the right places, but it's it's really just getting people in the doors that want to work. Well, it seems like you know how to put the right people in the right places, and what you're saying about trying to employ people, I hear personally from many business owners, other restaurants also, uh, but it seems to be a general theme right now throughout our whole economy. One of the things that I've heard back from business owners and HR people is that they'll get a lot of people applying for jobs, they'll offer a person a job, and then the person will turn it down. So I'm wondering if they're yep. just trying to fulfill their obligations uh, to continue to stay on unemployment or exactly what's happening there. Do you have any insight into any of that? Oh, I firmly believe that. Um, and you know, I do... I do some of the hiring. That was a a very common theme. It's still common today, even common before before COVID. But you know, it was it. They had to show proof that they went and applied somewhere to to stay on employment. So once it got really, uh, I, I hate to use a word, but it was um, unemployment on steroids. Um, you know, everyone was working hard to keep that going, and and they would go out interview. Um, and you could tell from the questions I would ask, the answers I would get that this wasn't going anywhere. Uh, so you knew, you knew what was going on. Yeah. So you mentioned that the obstacle is the government interference. It's uh, the symptom of that for you is lack of labor, uh, lack of people to hire. Do you see any answer? Like what's like one or two things that you think that you can do or maybe you are doing? Sure. So it's uh, just like anything with COVID, we, we, we pivot. And so we change our, you know, my dining room is still closed. Um, it's not open to the public yet, and will be by the end of next month. But we we changed our service. It didn't eliminate jobs. It kept the jobs that we have, because I can't get anyone else in. So um, we we changed to make sure that we could still have a service to the the customer and and still have all the great food and the quality and the and the food safetyness of it. Um, but we we pivoted down to you know what we were able to to utilize as far as our crew. We changed as a as a company, and then and, and we're still able to do what we're doing. And we're on the road several times uh, a day, catering, and and all the things that we're doing, all the changes that we made make us go on to the next level, I guess, or the next yeah. step. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, so yeah, that's really interesting, and I think it really goes to you know the idea that you're a, a nimble company, right? I mean, you're small enough still that you can you can really pivot. I mean, that's a, a common word now because of COVID is pivoting. And, you know, it's something that small businesses have always done. And the more nimble the company, uh, or maybe there's some even bigger companies that are still pretty nimble, but I mean, you're definitely showing how that can be beneficial, right? You don't have to, you don't have to go up the chain too far to, to make the changes. You get the blessing of uh, mom and dad or grandma and grandpa, just, you know, because of the, their names on it, obviously. So uh, yep. that's just awesome. Uh, all right. Well, this has been a great interview. Ryan, thank you so much. What would you say to people who are listening who haven't yet been to your restaurant or tried any of the products from Brooks Bottling Company? 
I would love to see you here in person. If you're global, obviously it'd be a little tough to, to get here, but um, I would love to connect via phone or, you know, keep in touch through email. You know, just we, we as a society need to lean on each other and, and, and we need to have kindness and back in our world. And for those that, you know, of, of all of us that stick together that are of, of like mind and want to do good, let's stay in touch and in contact with each other. Thank you so much for that. Uh, I'm definitely going to stay in touch with you. you. You you and I have a lot in common the way, the way we think. Listeners, uh, good. yes, yes, definitely, Ryan. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks for uh, listening today. We are so pleased with the, uh, the quality of guests that we're able to get here on the podcast. And I'm just... Every, after every interview, I'm just like tingling and amazed and, you know, excited and just so grateful that we have so many people that are willing to share uh, for the benefit of all the listeners. And gosh, I think I learn more than anybody. This is Russ, the big guy. That was Ryan Brooks with Brooks Barbecue and Brooks Bottling Company. That concludes another episode of Going Boldly. I hope you were entertained and you discovered at least one nugget of wisdom or advice that you can put into action immediately. Or maybe you received some inspiration from today's episode. And I'm certain you know at least one person who needs this podcast. Please share it with them. You might be the important link that will change their life for the better. Subscribing means you will not miss an episode. And it will make it easier for me to schedule guests because I can show them that the audience is growing. So please subscribe. It will benefit us all. Let me know how I can make this show even better. Leave a comment and send me a DM. I read everyone personally, and I do my best to respond to each and every one. As a thank you, I'll be awarding prizes. And to keep you on your toes, the winners will be randomly selected from names I find in the comments, shares, DMs, and from the list of subscribers. Prizes might be Going Boldly merch or products supplied by my guests, or just something random and fun. But you have to comment, share, DM, or subscribe to be eligible to win. A special thanks to Brenna Swanger at Waverly Manor Studios for our great theme music. And finally, thanks for listening. Go boldly, keep at it, and wash your hands.